a renewal, becoming the church that God intends. We've spent the last few weeks considering topics like what exactly is the church and how should she be organized and what should she be doing. And so we've learned from God's word this last month as we include this series that the church is not a building, the church is not a place, the church is not a denomination. If you look at the Bible, the church is the gathering of the people of God. And so you don't actually go to church. We use that language, but it's actually not correct. You don't go to church. You don't do church. There are no different kinds of forms of church. This is not biblical language. The Bible tells us that the church is the gathering, the assembly, the called out ones of God who go together and follow Jesus. The church is a display of God's glory. That is why we are here. That is what we do. And so when we gather together, the church, the people gather to hear the word, but to sing the word as well and to read the word and to go out and live in light of the word so that people can come and stand with us with arms held high and sing with us from our hearts saying, how great is our God. And that is our heart's desire is to savor his beauty and his glory and to be a reflection for the world around us to see as the hands and feet of God. We've learned that the church has structure to it. So we looked at a couple weeks ago, elders, and how God reveals that elders are spiritual leaders and, and the governing body of the church. And so our church has currently four elders. We're praying for more godly men. We currently have four. And these four of us who met last night, we, we beg God for wisdom. And all four of us together ask the Spirit to lead us as we lead the church spiritually. But there's another body in this church, and they're called deacons. We, we refer to them as ministry team leaders, and they oversee every ministry in this church. And our deacons are not a governing body. They are a serving body, and they are the lead servants in this faith family. But there's another role, and this applies to everyone, to elders, deacons, and everyone in this room, a third role for the church, and that is the members of the church. So this morning, we're looking, as we conclude this series, on church membership, committed disciple makers. So let's look at this third role. If you have your Bibles, please turn to 1 Corinthians 12. And while you turn to 1 Corinthians, so I'll give you the context of the book just here briefly. 1 Corinthians is a letter that was written by the Apostle Paul to the church in Corinth, which is in Greece. Now, the Apostle Paul had spent over a year serving and ministering with that church in Corinth. And sometime later, he was ministering in Ephesus, which is in modern-day Turkey. And he received a report. So he heard how the church in Corinth was doing. And the report that he received was not good. He heard the church in Corinth was struggling with a lot of conflict and disagreements and a lot of disunity. They were struggling with a lot of sexual immorality. They were struggling with broken marriages and on confusion about what marriage is and how it should function. There was a lot of lack of grace for each other. And everyone was trying to impose their rights even on each other. There was a lack of, of understanding in the worship gatherings. A lot, a lot of confusion 
about what spiritual gifts are and how they should be used and what is order in the worship gathering. There was confusion on what is the resurrection and how is it going to happen. And so the Apostle Paul goes through and he systematically is addressing all of their problems and concerns because the church in Corinth was messed up. It was, it was a really unhealthy body of believers, and yet they were God's people. So they needed God's word to help them to be a church that would display God's glory, just like we want to be. And we can have the same struggles that you had in Corinth. We're no better. We're equally sinners saved by grace, needing God to lead us just like they did. And so when you get to chapter 12 in this book, what you're seeing is that everything about, about the church in Corinth in this letter is that there was a solution, a solution for their problems, for their lack of unity and all these other issues, and that solution was and continues to be the gospel. The gospel of Jesus is the solution, the good news of Christ's perfect obedience of his death, burial, and resurrection. So the Corinthian church, much like the church of ECC off island, needs to rediscover the gospel, needs to know it, believe it, love it, apply it, and live in light of the gospel. And so when a church is focused on Jesus and on his good news, when that happens, the church will be healthy. And so let's begin reading here, 1 Corinthians 12, as we learn about what it means to be part of the faith family. 1 Corinthians 12, we'll look at middle of the chapter, verses 12 through 27. For just as the body is one and has many members, and all the members of the body, though many, are one body, so it is with Christ. For in one spirit we were all baptized into one body, Jews or Greeks, slaves or free, and all were made to drink of one spirit. For the body does not consist of one member, but of many. If the foot should say, because I am not a hand, I do not belong to the body, that would, that would make it any less part of the body. And if the ear should say, because I am not an eye, I do not belong to the body, that would not make any less a part of the body. If the whole body were an eye, where would there be the sense of hearing? If the whole body were an ear, where would the sense of smell? But as it is, God arranged the members in the body, each one of them, as he chose. If all were a single member, where would the body be? As it is, there are many parts, yet one body. The eye cannot say to the hand, I have no need of you, nor again the head to the feet, I have no need of you. On the contrary, the parts of the body that seem to be weaker are indispensable. And on those parts of the body that we think less honorable, we bestow the greater honor. And our unpresentable parts are treated with greater modesty, which our more presentable parts do not require. But God has so composed the body, giving greater honor to the part that lacked it, that there may be no division in the body, but that the members may have the same care for one another. If one member suffers, all suffer together. If one member is honored, all rejoice together. Now you are the body of Christ and individually members of it. Very important passage for our church to understand. And so let me give you the primary truth here that we're seeing in this text. So the main idea is that the church is the gathering of God's people who are committed to each other and to God's purposes. So it's revealing what the church is like in this text. And it's, it's a gathering of God's people 
that are committed to each other and also to God's purposes. So this text is describing one body with many members. So we're all different people, we're all unique, and yet we're all committed to each other, and we're all committed to Jesus and are under his kingship, under his rule. And so passages like this one in 1 Corinthians 12 is the reason why I, I use the phrase quite often on saying that I desire, I pray for, that we would be a healthy church. Well, why do I say healthy church? Well, why do I use that phrase? Because God's word uses an analogy of the church being a body. So we want to be a healthy body. And so when we talk about being healthy church, we're communicating is that it's a body that is living and that is growing as it should be. Now, yes, we're always going to have problems. Our body is not perfect. Of course. We're not in heaven yet. We're not glorified yet. But we can still have a healthy church. What does that look like? A healthy church is one that is continually battling our, our own ungodly desires while battling against our enemy, Satan, and finding our joy in Christ, our meaning and our satisfaction, enjoying God's presence. So hating our sin and enjoying Jesus when we're doing that individually and together, we're going to be a healthy church. A healthy church is one that is striving, really striving intentionally to display God's glory in the world. And so let me give you kind of a working definition of what a healthy church is. A healthy church increasingly reflects the character of God as revealed in his word. And so a healthy church is not perfect, but a healthy church is one that is increasingly displaying God's glorious character as it's revealed in the Bible. So we're seeing here that the church is gathering with God's people who are committed to God and are committed to each other. Because we live in an age, if we're honest, and it's no different here from other countries, where people are church avoiders. They're like, oh, I don't want to go to church anymore. I was hurt by a church, or I was let down by so-and-so, where the pastor committed adultery, or, or they hurt me. And there's some very real pains and very real hurts. And so some people just really want to avoid church. And other people are just attenders. They show up on occasion, sit in the back, and then sneak out. They're, they're either avoiders or they're attenders, maybe. Others are just church hoppers. They hop around, and they go to one church here, and then maybe off a few weeks and go to one church, and they're just kind of hopping, or they're church shopping. They're just looking, you know, for the best church that meets their needs as they understand it. And so in an age with avoiders and attenders and hoppers and shoppers, what we need is none of that. The Bible describes that people who are following Jesus are committed to a local church. They're committed to a people, a particular people following Jesus together. So let's look at this text a little bit more closely and identify three particular truths. A lot could be said, but we'll narrow it down. Three primary truths from this text that flow from this main idea. So we can understand our role as being committed to a local church. So first of all, a healthy church is a committed fellowship of, number one, diverse members. And so a healthy church is a committed fellowship of diverse members. And, and you see this in this text. Diversity is permeated throughout the whole chapter. You see, for example, in verse 12, 
It says, for just as a body is one, has many members, all the members of the body, though many, are one body. So it is with Christ. So they're saying many members and yet one body. Same thing spiritually. Look at verse 14. For the body does not consist of one member, but of many. So, of course, body has diversity. Your ears, your nose, your hands, your feet are all different, have a different role, different function, different parts, and yet one body. Verses 18 through 20, again it says, But as it is, God arranged the members in the body. This is important to know. God himself has arranged the diversity in the body, each one of them as he chose. If all were a single member, where would the body be? As it is, there are many parts, yet one body. So there's this metaphor, this analogy of the people of God being compared to a body. And so he says that there's hands, ears, feet, and it's all arranged by God himself. And so at ECC Off Island, we understand this. We understand diversity. Just look around the room. It's not hard to see the diversity and how God has arranged a people that are very different. We have personalities, different backgrounds, different accents, different everything, you name it. And as much as this sometimes can seem like it's a problem, we know that it's a gift. We know that it is a gift of God, that he arranges a diversity, and it is a blessing. It's a gift from God that we have a diverse church. And yet with that comes responsibility. Because we have to understand each other, and there are times when we won't understand each other. And I don't just mean the accent. I'm talking far deeper than that, where we don't, we don't understand each other because we have different expectations and presuppositions from our home country. And so we approach this gathering together, and sometimes the diversity can create a sense of conflict. But that ought not be. But lest we spend too much time talking about cultural diversity, this text here is actually not talking about cultural diversity. If you read the entire chapter, the diversity that you see here is not cultural. The diversity is spiritual gifts, different types of gifting in the body. So verses 1 through 11 in the same chapter, it talks about a variety of gifts. It talks about manifestations of the Spirit. And so how God's Spirit empowers believers to accomplish His purposes. God's working through His people. How He's gifted and manifested His Spirit in people differently. So that's the reason why Paul here is talking about the body. Because it's the same thing. Just like my head works and, and uses all my body parts to accomplish what's necessary, it's like that with Christ and His people. And so, for example, I'm sitting at my desk, so I work from home, and so I'm, I'm sitting in the office in my study, and it's like 10 in, 10 in the morning, I've been up for a few hours, and I'm hungry. And so I feel these hunger pangs, right? So what happened? My brain is recognizing, oh, your, your fuel level is kind of low, and so you need a recharge. So what does it do? It sends a message to my stomach. And so I feel, I feel a little bit hungry. So what do I do? I use my feet. And I stand up from my desk, and I walk into the kitchen. And then I use my hand, open the freezer, and get some ice cream, right? No, hopefully not. You know, make some tea or have something healthy, an a organic granola bar or something, right? 
and then, but then you use your hands to open it, and then you put it in your mouth, and you use your mouth to consume the nourishment, right? And so you've just used what? Your hands, your feet, your mouth, your stomach. You're using many different parts of your body controlled by what? The head, your brain is sending the messages. And so my hands and my feet and my stomach can do nothing without the head, without the brain controlling and leading. So yes, my hands are accomplishing the task that needs to be accomplished, but it's controlled through the head. So the head is working through the parts of the body. And so that's how it works here. It says, so it is with Christ spiritually. We can do nothing apart from Christ through his spirit animating and leading us. God works through his body, the church, and he empowers you and me. He's empowering us. And so we, through his spirit, we are his voice. We are his hands and we are his feet. We carry the gospel. We serve others. We proclaim the good news. And so that's what we are as his body. So we don't work for Jesus. Hear me. We don't work for him. You think he needs us? He works through us. And we have the privilege, the honor of being used by the head to be the hands and feet and the voice to accomplish his divine purposes of redeeming people and then seeing them sanctified and then having others be redeemed and see them sanctified until together we all get to heaven and we're going to be together glorified. And so we serve the church and we serve the world, but it's done through God's spirit with Jesus as the head. And we are his hands and feet. And so if you're not serving, you're missing out. I'm just telling you, like this is not a guilt trip. I'm, I'm telling you as honestly as I can. We were praying last night as an elder body, and we are praying that our church would be a serving body, that our deacons would be a serving body that would mobilize others, experience the sheer joy of worshiping Jesus by using your gifts and abilities and all of your diversity and who you are and all of your experiences, your personality, your skills, your abilities, your passion. God wants to use all of that so that you can then be used by him, for him, and experience joy, the pleasure of serving the church and serving the world. So if you're not on a ministry team, I'm telling you, you are missing out. We're all unique. We have different abilities and talents, but we have to embrace that diversity and, and not envy each other or wish we were different. I wish I was a hand. I wish I were a feet. I would. No, just be content with how God's made you, and let's all do what we're called to do as we embrace each other, esteem each other, and, and love this diversity. Yes, at times we'll disappoint each other. And when that happens, we remember that a healthy church is a committed fellowship of diverse members. Number two, healthy church is a committed fellowship of unified members. So yes, we're diverse, but we're also unified. Verse 21 the eye cannot say to the hand, I have no need of you, nor again the head to the feet, I have no need of you. How ludicrous. 
to say, oh, I don't need you, body part. We need each other. I need you. And sometimes you might not think, but you need me too. It really goes both ways. And you need each other. And even those people that are like sandpaper that rub you the wrong way, you know what I'm talking about? Those people that are a little rough. You need that person. Because they're going to, you know, sand off your rough edges. And that's God's design. This is a good thing. Iron sharpens iron. We need one another. As it says here, we need each other. To be a follower of Jesus is to belong to God's people. Hear me. If you're, if you're a Christian, a born-again, regenerate, born-again of his spirit, follower of Jesus, then you belong to his body. It says in verse 24 that God has composed the body. God is doing this. He is gathering. He is assembling. The word church means to gather ones, to call out ones. That's what the word means. And so if you're a believer, you're part of the church. You're part of God's people. Verse 27, now you are the body of Christ and individually members of it. So yes, you're an individual, you're a diverse, unique individual, but you're part of the greater whole of God's people. And so we have diversity, and yet we have unity in that diversity. So as believers in Jesus, we belong to his people. And what is it that unites us? What binds our hearts together? The fact that we meet in a zoo? No. It's much deeper than that. What unites our hearts together is the very gospel itself, the power of God that has saved us. That's what unites you and me. I'll be honest this morning. When I look in the mirror, when, when I look in my reflection, you know what I see? I see a flawed man. I see a man that is broken. I see a sinner. See a man who doesn't always get it right. See a man who is truly desperate for Jesus and desperate for his grace. And yet, when I take a second glance in that mirror, you know what else I see? Someone who's been forgiven. I see someone who does not deserve God's goodness. Someone who deserves to burn in hell. I see a man who deserves to be condemned because he has offended a holy God. I see a man that is so honored and privileged with the family that he has and the church that he gets to be a part of. And I am so humbled when I think of the cross and how God would save me. It is overwhelming. I look in the mirror, and I, I, yes, I see a sinner, and yet I also see one of God's redeemed who is indwelt by his spirit, who increasingly hates his sin and desires more of Jesus' presence in his life and wants to grow as a pastor and as a follower of Jesus with his people. And I hope that you share that same vision of yourself, that yes, you are a sinner, but yes, if you're a believer in Jesus, you are forgiven and you are redeemed and indwelt by his spirit and called into ministry because we are all called into ministry. Every one of us. To be a believer is to be called to full-time ministry. Maybe you're not called to full-time leadership in a church as your vocation, 
but we're all called to full-time ministry. We're all called to be about the mission of Jesus. We're all called to work together in our diversity to have unity. And we all share the same love for Jesus, the same salvation through his gospel. We share an eternal purpose. We are the household of God. We are brothers and sisters. We belong to each other and we need each other. And so that is what unites us. That is the bond. And you look at verse 13, and it says, to talk about this unity, he says, for in one spirit, we were all baptized into one body, Jews or Greeks, slaves or free, and all were made to drink of one spirit. We all recognize how desperate we are for Jesus and his grace, and all of us recognize that we share the same spirit, baptized by the spirit into the same body, and so we share the same spirit so we can experience God's presence together. We share the same God who is our Father. We share the same King, Jesus, that we submit to, and so our very unity is grounded in the Trinity. Our very unity is grounded in the character of God and who He is as Father and Son and Spirit and how we relate to all three members of the Godhead, and that is what unites us. And so to be a believer in Jesus is not just, oh, well, when I was a child, I went to church and I raised my hand, and so I'm a Christian because I'm from a Western nation, and so I'm just a casual cultural Christian. That is not what it is to be a follower of Jesus. It's to be redeemed and to have a passion for the king and to be forgiven and to be part of an eternal fraternity, the brotherhood and sisterhood, the people of God who are on mission for him. So it's far deeper than just, oh, I go to church. Oh, my goodness. Eternal implications, and we do this together. So because we need each other, when our lives are centered upon the gospel, we're beginning to see what our lives should look like together. And so because we are a gospel-centered community, it becomes impossible, and I'm serious, it becomes impossible to talk about what it means to be gospel-centered and the people of God and not talk about the church. Because the church is how God accomplishes his plan. So God's redeeming people for his own glory, and he uses the church. We are that display. We are his hands and feet. We are the body, as we're seeing here. And so that's the reason why we emphasize the importance of being part of an actual local body of believers. If someone says, oh, I'm a Christian, I just don't like church, that doesn't even make sense because the word church is the gathering of Christians. It's the gathering of God's people. So to say, oh, I'm a Christian, I just, I just can't get in church, or I just, I just don't like organized religion, or I have a very personal faith. Look, following Jesus may be personal, but it's not private. It's not. It's a public thing. And so when someone who says they're a believer, follower of Jesus, and have no interest in gathering with his people, that person is at best spiritually very unhealthy. Or at worst, they're spiritually dead. And they just don't know the gospel. And they need to hear it. They need to know God loves you. And he has a plan for you that is so much bigger than you could ever imagine for yourself. And it's to be accomplished in community. 
And so why don't you want to be part of God's people? This is, Jesus loves his people. Why don't you love what Jesus loves? This is, this is how it is. We follow Jesus together. And so we emphasize in our church being part as an actual covenant church member, being part of an actual body of local believers that actually meet on a regular basis and follow Jesus together. Why is it important? Because if you're a follower of Jesus, guess what? You already are a member of the church. Hear me. If you are a believer in Jesus, you already are a member of his church because the church is his people. So when you commit to an, a local expression of his body, when you commit to a local body of believers, what you're doing is you're expressing that reality in a tangible way. And so, like it says here in the same chapter, verses 25 and 26, it says that there may be no division in the body, but the members have the same care for one another. If one member suffers, all suffer together. If one member is honored, all rejoice together. So it says we're one body. We care for each other. If one suffers, we all suffer. If one rejoices, we all rejoice. Where we're in it for better or worse, we're in this thing together. We are committed to each other, even when it's hard, when, when we're suffering, when it's messy, when you're disappointed, when you're hurt, you're, you're there. Well, when you're rejoicing, you're still there because we're committed to each other. And so when you say, I want to be a church member, I want to actually submit myself to the authority of the elders and submit myself to each other. I want to submit myself to my other members and have them hold me accountable. I'm accountable to them. What you're saying is, I want to be responsible. What you're saying is, you look at your brother and your sister, and you say, I'm responsible for you, and you're responsible for me. And I'm going to help you follow Jesus, and you're going to help me follow Jesus because I'm going to fall down tomorrow. I need you to pick me up. But then you might trip up two days from now. I'm going to help you up. And, and it's not going to always be a neat and easy and joyous thing every day, but we have Jesus, and his, his Spirit's going to sustain us, and so we're going to do this thing together because we can't do it alone. It's just not possible. So I want to be responsible, and I want to commit to have joy together and to even suffer together. And so church membership is about commitment, expressing that in a tangible, real way. It's a reflection of your living commitment because if you're a follower of Jesus, you are committed to him. You already are. And then by definition, committed to his people. That's the way it works. You can't, you can't say, I'm, I love Jesus. I'm not part of the body. You don't get the option. You are part of his body. The question is, are you going to be one that's contributing or not? Are you going to be a useful member of the body or not? But you already are a member of the church, but expressing that in a local body of believers, you're saying, I'm committed to Jesus and to these people and to the mission together, where I can be corrected and I can correct others in love and encourage each other and follow Jesus hand in hand. I want to read to you a very important document Nearly 100 people in our church have already signed this, but a lot of you have not. And so this is our church covenant. This is what we have covenanted with each other to do as a faith family. So if you're a member, this is review. If you're not a member, maybe it's the first time to hear this. This is ECC Off-Island Church Covenant. It is on the screens. 
having been brought by God's grace to repent and believe in the Lord Jesus Christ, and by agreeing with the statement of faith, and our desire to unite with ECC off-island as a member, by establishing this covenant with the faith family, while depending upon God's spirit, I resolve to do the following. I will protect the unity of our church, by refusing to gossip or speak evil of others, by committing to brotherly love, humility, gentleness, encouraging one another, and admonishing one another when necessary, by rejoicing with those who rejoice and weeping with those who weep, by faithfully following church leadership. I will share in the ministry of our church by praying for her health and growth, by using my gifts and talents to serve the faith family, by demonstrating a servant's heart, by actively building relationships with unbelievers and sharing the gospel with them. I will support the testimony of our church by faithfully attending worship gatherings, by seeking God's help to live carefully in this world and denying ungodliness and worldly passions. I will strive to live a self-controlled, upright, and godly life by financially contributing cheerfully, generously, and regularly to support of the ministry, expenses of the church, relief of the poor, and spread of the gospel. By committing that upon moving from Abu Dhabi, I will unite with another church as soon as possible where I can carry out the spirit of this covenant and the principles of God's word. And so this is our covenant. This is what we agree to when we become members. We're saying, man, I, I can't do this alone, and I don't want to even try. And Jesus didn't ask us to. He told us that we're a body. And so let's be intentional, and let's reflect our commitment in a tangible way. And so a healthy church is a committed fellowship of unified members. And so we do strive for it, but as we mentioned earlier, conflict will happen. It's inevitable. The question, how do we respond? How do we respond to conflict? Have you ever felt like you just can't get it right? Ever? Maybe once? Where you say things, it just doesn't come across the way you intended it to? Or you make decisions and they're just foolish. Where it feels like you're praying and you're honestly following Jesus. And, and the reality is that you don't always make the right decision. And in the process, people get hurt. That happens. This happens to me. I'm sure it's happened to at least some of you in the room. And what I can tell you, it's really humbling when you have to go to someone and say, I was wrong. Will you please forgive me? And then seeing people respond with grace and forgiveness and seeing a church that's increasingly reflecting God's character, a healthy church, where I've seen more than once in our church, I can give examples, but I won't, of people that have hurt each other, oftentimes by misunderstanding, and then seeing them go to each other, ask for forgiveness, and reconcile their relationships I've seen it so many times, and it is truly humbling. I love seeing God at work in the lives of his people. So that's what we do. We reflect the gospel and how we treat each other, how we serve each other. May we be people that are quick to confess our sin and then quick to forgive so that we can be unified within our diversity. And if you want to be a person that is full of forgiveness and not bitterness, Focus on the gospel every day. Spend time reading his word and remembering the grace that you've received 
When you forget the grace you've received, you will not extend it to others. But when you remember how much grace you've received, you will more quickly forgive and extend grace and reconcile the brokenness. And so that's, that's who we are as a church. We are a diverse yet unified, committed body of believers. Lastly, number three, a healthy church is a committed fellowship of missional members. Missional members. And so if you read 1 Corinthians, you'll see a theme. I won't read all the book, but if you do, you'll see this theme for yourself. Repeatedly, what you see in this book is the theme is to set aside differences and grow in sanctification for the advancement of the gospel. So Paul says more than once, set aside differences, extend grace, don't impose your rights over and over, put aside differences and grow in your sanctification so that the gospel can be free to advance and spread like wildfire. So the book of 1 Corinthians, the, the, the theme in chapter 1, it begins. He says, is Christ divided? Was Paul crucified for you? Or were you baptized in the name of Paul? Chapter 1, he begins the book with the same theme. On why are you divided? And then he tells to them, I came to preach the gospel, which is the power of God. So he's saying, be united around the gospel. And so we need to remember this every day and maintain our unity and our diversity as we're on mission. Like he says, to preach the gospel, to be a healthy, functioning body where God can accomplish his redemptive purposes. And so a a church that's unified around the gospel is going to be one where we're telling people about Jesus. We're saying, come, there's not much seating, but we'll find a seat for you on Friday morning. Let's get here early so you can find a seat. It's a church where People are excited about being held accountable, holding others accountable because they love each other. Being on mission, our mission given by Jesus is to glorify God by making and developing disciples. Let me ask you this question. Why are you here? And by here, I mean Abu Dhabi. I could say here in church, here the zoo, but why do you live in Abu Dhabi? Maybe you think, because my job, my job brought me, or my husband dragged me here. But the truth is that you're not here because of your job. It's not why you're here. Now, God used your job to bring you here. Agreed. But you're here for the gospel. You're here because God has a purpose for you to be about his mission. You are here because it is strategic for the gospel. And it is a tremendous privilege and honor to be here in this time, in this season, for his glory. And so you are here by divine appointment. And the more that we see this vision for why we're here, the more we're going to have joy in living in a place that at times is quite challenging. Unity in our diversity leads us to accomplish the mission. Unity in our diversity will fuel the mission. How can we all be engaged? A few thoughts, application points here, and we'll close. How can you be a part of this what God is doing in and through this church. You know, hands-on here. One, if you're not a church member, I encourage you to, a week from today at 4 p.m., in my home, I'll be hosting a membership class. It goes from 4 to 8 p.m. You think, man, it's a long meeting. We have breaks. There's some discussion. We have a meal. It's not as bad as you think. I think you'll enjoy it. Most people that come do enjoy it. And so I encourage you to register. If you have not yet, you can go on the website and do so. Or you, you can use that slip information form, and you, 
And you can check the box that says church membership and then give it to the welcome team in the back and we'll register you. We want to know how much food to get and if we need to get childcare. And so please let us know so that we can be ready for you and commit to church membership. Another thing you can do is honestly, this is, sounds funny, but it's true, get here on time. Arrive for worship gatherings, if possible, early. And meet some people. I'm serious. And don't leave. Don't be too quick to get to your car. Stay and meet people and build relationships with them. Go to church out to lunch today and sit with someone that you don't know with different nationalities and get to know them. Get to know people in the faith family. Join a home group. That's the main way that you're going to have community and be cared for is in our home groups. You have 10 home groups, 8 to 12 people, but sometimes they're closer to 20. Some groups get kind of large, but they're not huge. We share. We learn from each other. They meet throughout the week all over off island, even side of island. That one's kind of full, so you probably can't go to that one. But we'll start a new one. That's the plan. Keep launching new groups. And so here's the point. Get involved in the community. We have home groups. And if you don't know how to find one, call me or email or use that same form and check home groups, and I'll give you a call this week. I'll help you find one. We have discipleship groups. They're different from home groups. Discipleship groups are small, two to four people of the same gender. They meet throughout the week to love each other, to share with each other, to pray with each other, to study the word together. And then after several months of learning from each other, you know what they do? They end the discipleship group because they start new ones. And everyone in that group disciples two or three new people. And we're seeing now a culture of discipleship taking root in our church of people that see the value and the need to disciple each other in these small relationships in very casual but still very meaningful ways. Let me know if you want to join one. Email me or call me or come talk to me afterwards. Join a ministry team. Seriously, we have so many needs, but it's such a privilege to serve. Build friendships with your neighbors, your coworkers. Uh, I'll share a brief story. There's a guy in our church. I won't name him. He's amazing. You know what he does? He takes a taxi every day. But you know what he did? He got the phone number of the taxi driver, and he calls that same taxi driver every day to take him around town. And he arranges his schedule around the taxi driver. You know why? To share the gospel with him. Because if he gets a random taxi, then he won't be able to share the gospel with that person. But by building a friendship with one person over time, and there's more of a relationship, he is intentionally sharing the good news of Jesus. And sometimes he gets work an hour early. He has to wait after. So he's very inconvenienced by this, but he doesn't care. Because he gets to make a friendship with someone that he otherwise wouldn't meet to share the gospel with a taxi driver. When I heard that, I was blown away. I was like, man, you rock. That's an awesome example of intentionality and how we can build relationships to share the gospel. But we're all missionaries. Every one of us is a missionary. And so we ought to be actively on mission. May we be a diverse church that is a unified church that is then a missional one. You pray with me. Father, this morning, we know that you are so good. You have redeemed us for your own glory. You've given us this gospel message that has transformed us. We want others to know. 
And so if anyone in this room even right now has never repented and truly trusted in you, I pray that you would grip their heart. May they respond to you with complete trust and experience the joy of your salvation. Help us be a church that maintains unity in our diversity so that we can see your gospel spread and see more lives transformed for your glory. Help us to be a healthy church that increasingly reflects your glorious character, Tabu Dhabi, and to the world. We pray these things for your glory, for your sake, in the name of our Savior Jesus. Amen.